Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome back to Today's Issues. I am, as the voice just said, Ed Vitagliano. I'm sitting in for Tim Wildman this week. And joining me in the studio is Fred Jackson. And now Steve Jordahl has joined the team for the last 25 minutes. Good morning slash good afternoon, Steve Jordahl. Slash, everybody. Good morning, slash. afternoon. And, Ed, I, you know, when they play that, I'd like you to do a Bishop Jackson for just one time. And I am he. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, No, there's only one Bishop Jackson. We'll just leave it at that and let him have that. All right. Uh, just a thought. Yeah, I, I've always I've always thought that I, I probably should on days when I'm hosting, you know, really make it my own. You know, in terms of having some clips from you know Rocky or something like that. Yeah, you go. You know, it's the a, Godfather. Yeah, well, not the Godfather. <laughs> oh, that's stereotyping. That that, that that Rocky Rocky, Rocky is stereotyping <laughs> enough. <laughs> You know, the, the, the dumb bricklayer. He wasn't a bricklayer, but, you know. All right, let's not go down those dark alleys. You know, I've, I've run from those kinds of stereotypes all my life, and, 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 and I don't want to go backwards. You can Steve. still run? That's impressive because I'm, you know. Uh, fat Italian stereotypes now. It's <laughs> going. All right, Steve. All right. Hey, um, we've been talking. uh, I know you guys hit this morning a little earlier the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings. The Biden's President Biden's nominee to the Supreme Court. She's in front of a Senate panel today. And uh, I wanted to just play you a couple of cuts from yesterday and one from today and get your reaction to this. Um, Let's start with yesterday. Interesting enough, uh, everybody's talking about this being the first black woman to be put on the, potentially put on the Supreme Court. But what nobody in the mainstream media is saying, what you might not have heard, is it's not the first black woman to be nominated for a position on a high court. Not the Supreme Court. I believe it was a, an appellate court. But I want you to hear... It was the D.C. court. Wasn't the it? D.C. Court of Appeals, which is a, a very uh, prestigious court, and they call it the feeder court, like the minor leagues to the Supreme Court, because right. a lot of those guys get up there. So I want you to hear Ted Cruz yesterday. Now, this was just opening speeches. He wasn't directing a question necessarily at uh, uh, Judge Brown or Jackson, but she was. he was directing some comments at his, at his colleagues. Listen to cut three. I would note we are sitting on a committee where multiple members of this committee, the senior Democrats in the committee, happily filibustered Judge Janice Rogers Brown, a very qualified African-American woman nominated to the D.C. Circuit. And they did so precisely because they wanted to prevent Judge Brown from becoming Justice Brown, the first African-American woman. Joe Biden was among the Democrats filibustering the first African-American woman nominated to the D.C. Circuit. The senior Democrats on this committee also filibustered Miguel Estrada. As the staff for Senator Ted Kennedy said in writing at the time, the Democrats filibustered Miguel Estrada, quote, because he is Hispanic. They were explicitly racial. If you dare... If you are Hispanic or African-American and you dare depart from their political orthodoxy, they will crush you, they will attack you, they will slander you, they will filibuster you. 
So it's a little disingenuous for them to say how historic this particular nomination is, Mm -hmm. um, for what it's worth. Uh, Thoughts? Well, um, uh, Fred, the reason I think they – let's start with Miguel Estrada because it it would be um, um, interesting to say, well, why did Senator Ted Kennedy's staffers write that the the reason they – filibuster Miguel Estrada was precisely because of his, he was, he was Hispanic. And at first, when I heard, I heard this yesterday, um, of, of what uh, Senator Ted Cruz was saying, and I was a little puzzled as to what the motivation would be for Senator Kennedy's office. But it occurred to me that the reason would be they did not want Republicans to ensure that a conservative Hispanic That's right. was the first Hispanic to make it to the Supreme Court. That is, it's 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 not even all about race, as Steve, as this clip has clearly shown from Senator Cruz. Mm-hmm. It's not really about race or nationality or ethnicity. It is about ideology. Oh, absolutely. That's why they uh, stonewalled, was it Janice Rogers Brown? Was that who? who? Yes. Yeah. yes. That's why they stonewalled her. Mm-hmm. You'd think if it was about race, they'd go, oh, man, she's very qualified. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's get the first black woman on the D.C. appellate court. Yes. But no, they didn't want her because she was conservative. It's a, it's about ideology. It's why Dr. Ben Carson uh, was not treated with respect by right. the Democrats. What a brilliant, brilliant man he is, continues to be. Uh, it's why Senator Tim Scott Yes, gets, gets, South Carolina. Uh, gets very little respect uh, from the media, from from the Democrats. These people are not black enough in that's, terms of the li- the left. That, that's, that's exactly right. It is about the ideology. It really isn't about skin color at all. It's about they don't want the American public seeing a successful black person with a conservative point of view. Right. They don't want that. That destroys the image that they are trying to portray, which the mainstream media helps them to do. You know, the mainstream media right now has a love fest going with with, right. with Brown Jackson. But I, I'm sure when uh, it was uh, the, uh, the woman that was Janice Rogers Brown. Janice Rogers Brown. I'm sure they agreed with the Democrats filibustering her. Yes. I'm sure. And Joe Biden took the lead in filibustering her. Right. Joe Biden. I agree with everything you guys said about it being ideology more than race, but I think there's something also, in addition, more fundamental of this, and that is I don't think the Democrats could stand having thought that the Republicans were the first ones to put a black woman or a Hispanic man at the on a on a court on a high court because that's their job, and right. the Republicans are white supremacists, and it, it just destroys the whole narrative if the first African American or Hispanic came from the Republican Party. They just, they can't abide that. And I think that was also part of the reason. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that, that would be part of their motivation because you got to keep the narrative going. If, like we were talking about before the break, if you want to continue to keep minority voters on your team mm-hmm. because you have to be able to tell them, look, we're the only ones looking out for you and here's proof uh, President Joe Biden has nominated Katanji Brown Jackson the, to be the first black woman on the Supreme Court. We did that. So to your point, Steve, you couldn't have Janice Rogers Brown be the first one no. No. And, and, and being nominated were, by a Republican. You heard it, that from Herschel Walker a little bit and, ago. And, it, and it's not just the Democratic Party. It's our universities. Yes. 
Dr. Carol Swain. Right. Vanderbilt University. Brilliant lady. Brilliant, conservative, Christian, Southern Baptist lady. Black. Yeah. She dared to be critical and say things about Islamic terrorism. Right. Basically, they ran her off the campus at yes. Vanderbilt. After a long battle with that university, mm -hmm. she finally said, you know what? I'm going to go do something more constructive. I yeah. mean, she was a tenured professor. Yes. Very, very smart. Brilliant. Lady. Yes. So that's... That's where we're at. This goes right in line with what we were talking about in the previous segment. Mm -hmm. We had uh, Kristen Wagner from Alliance Defending Freedom, her experience at uh, Yale University. Uh, this is it. Listen, folks, if you don't realize that there is a culture war going on, you must have been living under a rock <laughs> because there is a battle for the heart and mind and the soul of this country as to what we will become. And you better, you better choose sides because one way or the other, one of these sides. You know, it's interesting that Abraham Lincoln, before the Civil War, maybe it was during the Civil War. I don't, I, 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 this is just off the top of my head, so I can't remember. But he said, he said, this country is going to be one thing or another. Mm -hmm. The house, I think it was, you know, in fact, I think it was his house divided speech. I think he said, this country is going to be one thing or another. It can't be both. You can't have a house divided when it comes to the subject of slavery, a pro-slavery position and anti-slavery position are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. One side or the other has to prevail. You can't continue right. being split like this. And the Civil War, thankfully, thanks be to God, the Civil War, with all its carnage, solved the issue. Yes. And uh, I certainly am not hoping for a Civil War, but I am saying we are a house divided. You can't be pro-abortion and pro-life at the same time. Yeah. And you can't have colleges and universities that are going to be at war with conservative students and professors and have those universities. So it's mutually exclusive. One side or the other is going to win this thing. Yep. And uh, right now it's, it's up in the air as to who's going to win. Uh, what you heard from uh, Ted Cruz was from yesterday. From today, I, Chris uh, mentioned a little bit ago the question that uh, Senator Lindsey Graham shot to Jan uh, not Janice Rutt, to um, Katanji Brown Katanji Jackson, Brown -Jackson uh, about her faith. I want you to hear the question and her answer because I think there's something that's a little hidden in that answer or maybe uh, something that nobody's thinking about in that answer. Well, and this is what we said we were going to try to bring in for Thursday. Oh, oh right. So th we're going to listen to it today. Yeah, we'll All listen right. to it. You can listen to it Thursday as well if you want. I'm Maybe. okay with that. Maybe. Sure. <laughs> listen to cut 13. Scale of 1 to 10, how faithful would you say you are in terms of religion? You know, I go to church probably three times a year, so that speaks poorly of me. <laughs> or do you, do you attend church regularly? Well, Senator... I am reluctant to talk about my faith in this way just because I want to be um, mindful of the need for the public to uh, have confidence in my ability to separate out my personal views. So I, I don't know what background of faith that she has. She and, said she was Protestant, that's all. Okay, yeah. and that's fine, and that's good. But do you want somebody at the high court that decides that their convictions as a Christian are irrelevant to their decision-making? Because really, that calls into question the whole morality issue. That's how come 
a Joe Biden can claim to be Catholic and a Nancy Pelosi can claim to be Catholic and pro-abortion because, well, they're separating their belief system from their, you know, the, the, from their decisions. I don't think that's exactly the way you need a judge in this case. Well, it, it depends. By the way, do we have more sound from this exchange? or is That's all I have uh, from this particular exchange. Chris might bring some more information. Okay, so, so we will uh, on Thursday then go a little bit deeper because I want to talk about, Fred, what you were mm-hmm. saying the exchange uh, finally uh, kind of h- how that uh, played out. Listen, I, I would say this, <clears throat> and um, I, I'd probably want – I'd probably have to think this through – a little bit more, but I'm going to talk out loud. This is dangerous, okay? So I, I, I think you have to you have to be careful. You cannot allow, and under most circumstances, you cannot allow whether you are a person of faith or not to override what the law says. Yes. So, so if I'm a, if I'm a judge and I have a criminal before me and he's been duly convicted by a jury of his or her peer, peers, I'll say his peers, and my faith says I need to forgive this person, so I'm going to set aside the ruling of the jury. I don't care what the law says. I'm going to release this individual because of my faith. I think that's wrong. I think you, under most circumstances, need to follow the law. And again, whether you're a person of faith or a person of no faith, you're an atheist, the laws are written. If you think they're bad laws, you need to get them changed. Okay, uh, and so I would say, generally speaking, you would want to follow the way the laws are written. However, there may be times when to rule on a particular case would require you to violate your faith. Or for an atheist, their deeply, most deeply held beliefs, you may have to recuse yourself or you may have to make a decision that you know will probably be overturned. But uh, anyway, I, I'm just kind of kind of spitballing. So uh, Fred and then Steve. Yeah, I, I think, you know, to put an example to this, let's say a person uh, goes into a bank, robs the bank, and in, in doing so, shoots a teller and kills the teller. Well, that case ends up in court. All right. And so, uh, you look at the law and you say, well, this person did this. It's obvious deliberate. They knew what they were doing and they killed someone. So you apply the law. That's what we want our judges to do. Right. What we don't want our judges to do is, is to say, well, the person who walked in there, you know, they, they grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. And, uh, you know, they grew up in, in poverty and therefore, you know what, they're not as guilty as, and they don't deserve what the law says they deserve. That's what you don't want. Right. And that's a perfect example coming from the other perspective. Yes. That's what you don't want. I, I, I think every, every justice, every judge has a worldview. All right. And I agree with you, Ed. I, I think you have to be very careful what does the law today say? Now, uh, a judge can say, you know, it is my job. I think our lawmakers may want to consider A, B, and C right, and adjust the law. But I'm a judge of the law. I'm not here to impose my worldview on this case. Yeah. 
I think uh, to 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 kind of back up what you're saying about the example of someone that says, "Well, I got to forgive this person," that's not violating your faith because the Bible is very clear that the government has a role in punishing wrongdoing. You are acting as an agent of the government, therefore, you are fulfilling a scriptural mandate. Right. And your faith, uh, it, it isn't violating your faith to say that you didn't forgive this person and let them go. I think I I just wanted to point that out because you're consistent as a Christian if you're a judge or a you know, to, to say you're guilty and we're going to have to punish you. Well, and it's the left that does what we were talking about uh, during the first, sometime during the first hour, uh, when you talk about Senator Dianne Feinstein of California questioning Amy Coney Barrett and talking and saying, accusing her, your dogma lives loudly within you. The implication is you believe things according to your faith and that will bleed into your decision making, mm-hmm. but you don't see people, uh, conservatives, saying that no. uh, about other people because they believe that you should rule according to the law. Yeah. So, all right, um, let's uh, let's talk about uh, this transgender movement that's uh, kind of taking the world by storm. Uh, a lot of states are crafting bills, conservative red states are crafting bills that say we're not going to allow men to compete on women's uh, teams. Right. Um, and and states are doing that. Uh, I, but one exception, in Indiana, Governor Eric Holcomb, who is a Republican, vetoed that bill, in the Indiana version of that bill, which said we don't want men competing in women's sports or being in women's locker rooms or whatever. And this was his reason. It says, it implies that the goals of consistency and fairness in competition in female sports are not currently being met. After thorough review, I find no evidence to support either claim, the claim that it's happening, number one, in Indiana, or that it's consistent. Um, So even though he says he supports the overall goal, he says it's not happening here in Indiana, so I'm going to veto this bill. That, to me, is a little strange. Well, yeah, go ahead, Fred. Well, Christy Nome got in trouble, uh, the the governor of South, South Dakota. South, South Dakota, Dakota yeah. got in trouble. Uh, now she's since come around to this, and I've heard you know the Democrats when these sorts of things come up in various states use that reasoning. Well, there's only been one case in this state, so why do we have to pass a law? Right. Uh, the ACLU will do the same thing. Well, uh, to that I would respond. We're also seeing it's happening more and more. And so we're bringing a law into place to keep it happening from happening in our state. It's a protection thing. We don't want this to start occurring in our state. And quite frankly, uh, if, if indeed uh, the governor of Indiana has said this, it's a cop-out. It really is. Maybe another reason they're saying it, they don't want the condemnation of corporate America. Right. That has come into play uh, in the past. Let me let me tell you the 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 weakness of this kind of argument. Now, what's what's the uh, governor's name in Indiana? Again? Governor Eric Holcomb. Holcomb. Well, back in two thousand three and two thousand four, AFA. We weren't the only ones, but we were one of the the big players pushing the Bush administration, now Republican administration, and the Republican Party to pass a constitutional amendment defining marriage as between one man and one woman because a number of states by that time were starting to move towards legalization. So we had a big campaign. I'm saying the Bush administration didn't want to touch this issue. Uh, 
And I'll never forget John McCain saying, we do not need a constitutional amendment. If it ever looks like it's going to go in that direction, we'll do something. Well, you know what? The, the, those cowards, and that's what they were, they were cowards because we were warning that this is the direction the left wants to push. There were judges that we knew would soon start ruling, and by 2015, the Supreme Court legalized homosexual marriage. All that could have been stopped, okay? President Bush said, we need to just do this. The states are passing these laws, and we kept saying, no, a federal judge is going to strike these laws down. And to your point, Fred, sometimes you do what is right based on principle because you see around the corner what's coming. And there are very few politicians on these kinds of issues, and this governor in Indiana, Holcomb, is one of these kinds of cowards that they do not want to deal with the blowback, so they take the easy road, but you wind up paying the price years later. So what's Holcomb going to do when they do have in Indiana three or four cases? Well, then it's going to be too late. Some girl, some young lady is going to get robbed of her opportunity to compete in women's sports and to go on to excel in tournaments and so on and so forth because their spot is going to be taken by a male athlete claiming to be a woman and then it's going to be too late for those girls. And the converse to to Fred's argument of, uh, well, if, if it's not happening here, why do we need a bill, is if it's only happening once or twice, what's the harm of a bill if it's not going to be right. applied? You know, put it in place. And if, by your logic, nothing is going to come of it. So right. don't yeah, move you, on. You, 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 have laws, you have laws against assault based on the fact that you want assaults to be punished if they happen. You don't wait for assaults to have a a tsunami right. of assaults to then pass the law. I mean, this is, this is uh, uh, fallacious reasoning, and in this case, it is rooted in cowardice yeah. because these Republicans do not want to have to defend a position they really aren't sure they believe in. You know, exactly. aren't we glad we have a Second Amendment? Yes, I'm, I'm sure when the Second Amendment came in, there wasn't the onslaught against guns right. that we see today. Right. But the Second Amendment is saving people's rights in this country yes. that weren't in jeopardy when it was brought in. Right. Their rights in their lives, by the way. Too. Yes. Yes. All right. What else? All right. About let's, let's, uh, let's end with stupid criminal of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Dateline St. Louis. It was dark, and uh, police responded to a uh, call of shots fired. Uh, there was a, a man who walked up on a car with a gun and he pointed the gun at the car, walked around to the driver's side window, pointed the gun in the window only to realize he is trying to carjack a marked police car. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in this case, the, uh, the, the guy ran off. He ran off. They found him. They got him. He had a gun. He also had a rap sheet. Yeah. Okay. But this is in St. Louis, right? It is. The St. Louis district attorney, up to this point, is refusing to charge the yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, it's a Soros attorney, a uh, circuit attorney named Kim Gardner. We've talked about her before. But yeah, she said, no, I'm, uh, she's not really clear on why she's not charging him. But no, she's not charging him. Oh. <laughs> well, elections have consequences. That's right. You should pay attention to. Who's funneling money to the people running for district attorneys Mm -hmm. in this country? And as you said, George Soros' organizations, 
his foundations, put this lady into office. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for today's issues today. More great programming is directly ahead on American Family Radio. Do not forget, tomorrow during this time slot, you'll be able to listen to the audio presentation of our film, The God Who Speaks. You do not want to miss that. We'll see you again on Thursday.